everybody, and welcome to another episode of Songs from the Basement. And yes, we have quite a few songs here. Plus, we got an extra surprise today. I've got a co-pilot with me. He is the legendary... What do you want to be called on this one? Um... Well, I haven't quite given you enough money to be called legendary. Okay. Uh, how about longtime friend? Because uh, okay. I left my checkbook in the car. So, okay. longtime friend, we'll get the legendary if I can, you know, if I slip you some more bucks, then we'll get the legendary. But longtime friend is good enough for me. Thanks for the. Uh, thanks for the <laughs> no, it's, all of a sudden it's legendary. Yeah, it's a legendary. Dave Levine, actually. How about that? Dave Irv Levine. Uh, trust me, we'll get into uh, what he's done in his past, and uh, uh, don't worry, we won't talk about his vinyl record. I mean, <laughs> just kidding. Oh, oh, boy. We'll talk about my vinyl records. Anyway, uh, today we're going to be uh, listening to uh, songs that we have actually grown up with, and we talked about uh, different ideas of what to do for this show, so we're just going to play some various things for you, and we'll get into it, and we'll tell you what it is in about, oh, I don't know, three or four minutes, but coming up is the Osmonds, Casey and the Sunshine Band, Deep Purple, Aerosmith, the Cars, I mentioned the Cars, Eagles, and a lot of things you may have listened to, even this. It's so easy to play up your breakdown It's so easy 
right there and moving in stemera or stereo from their very first record uh, that came out in 1978 uh, with Rick Ocasek in the gang uh, from album number one that's a choice that uh, Dave wanted to play and uh, we got some memories of uh, that first record actually just separately but um, what do you remember from that one and well if uh, it it came from something that came up on Twitter now, this is 2020. Twitter, as we all know, is a very prominent social media platform. If you're listening to this uh, recording 
five or ten years down the line, Twitter used to be a major social media platform. <laughs> used to uh, be. Yeah. Uh, there was somebody who posts uh, these hashtags and whatever like that, and one of them was name a record or a group, rather, that uh, reminds you of high school. Mm-hmm. And it, the first thing I thought of was the cars. I graduated in high school in 1983. And Very young kid. Yeah. All those, those two years make a difference. Uh, and the first thing I thought was with the cars. And then I thought about it, and it's like, no, the police really mirrored that because I graduated the same year Synchronicity came out, 82, yes. 83, and that was the last album they ever recorded. So if you're going to talk about a group that fits that time frame, a finite period, that's it. The cars really was junior high school to me because one of my classmates who introduced me to a couple different groups, um, gentleman by the name of John Vida, who uh, unfortunately is no longer with us. I remember him. Uh, good guy. Yeah, he was a very good guy. He introduced me to the cars and he introduced me to Motley Crue. Uh-huh. And um, again, if I, can, if I can define my junior high period, 77 to 80, the cars would be that group. So that song that album the first song is the one he first one he played for me from the first album so that really defines junior high school period time for me gotcha i remember uh in august of 78 and let me turn my microphone up or heck i can move it closer okay (laughs) sorry ross maintenance man anyway um (laughs) when i first saw the cars anything by them it was actually at a place um, a record store that doesn't exist anymore up here called music land and i saw this um uh, a 45 it was just what i needed from that debut record and i'm thinking the cars how come there's never been a band called the cars before in my first impression before i heard this song it's going to bomb. They're not going to make it. No way. Cars, come on. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, uh, when you were mentioning you were in junior high, I was actually I was going into high school, 10th grade. And I just joined. Uh, Dave and I were actually on the same radio station in high school, KDXL. We mentioned them quite a few times, actually, because, oh, stories we could tell you uh, from your period and my period and our period. But um, anyway, uh, I get into uh, the school year starts, 78, 79, and anyway, um, we're playing just what I needed by the cars at the station. I'm like, who? what rotten song is that? And one of the disc jockeys at the time, our program director, his name is Andy Bloom and still is, but he's not the program director anymore. <laughs> no, that would be that would be a really difficult career choice to be a permanent <laughs> high schooler. I oh, mean, yeah. And, yeah. And to be the program director of this of this of the station. 30-something plus years later, but go, go on. Although he was, he, he did it for one year, and uh, the gray hairs he had at the end of that year. Well, oh boy, thanks did, to you. but Yeah, that, true. I, I gave <laughs> a few gray hairs to him, and he gave a few back to me. <laughs> so um, it'll be in my new book, A History of KDXL. Anyway, um, but Andy was playing that, and I said, what rotten song is that? He goes, oh, it's a new group called The Cars. They're from Boston. I said, oh, they're not very good. He says, no, they're punk. Okay, what's punk? At that point, I did not know what punk was. Punk, new wave, yeah. uh, all that. And then right after that, he plays Sheena is a Punk Rocker by the Ramones. I'm like, holy cow. Okay, they sound a little better. 
and I had no. I read the the single uh, Sheena, and I said, "Who are the Ram ones?" He goes, "No, no, Tommy, the Ramones." <laughs> it's one of my first few days in school at uh, being a staff member at KDXL, and there's all these new groups that I've never heard of before, like you know that are standard now: Cars, Ramones, and some other people. And anyway, so I'm just like, oh, okay. And then later in that year, he started uh, changing his tune. Instead of us playing a lot of, uh, you know, that punky rock and roll, like UK Squeeze, I think we played, we started to get a little more into the the disco period because that was the peak of it, 78, 79. And Andy, no offense to you, Andy, but uh, you really like disco music, and we cut off a lot of rock and roll between November 78 and March of 79. And he said, Stuart, you got to face it. Rock is, is dying off the vine disco's in we're gonna play more disco and i said i hope you're not gonna cut a promo saying disco kdxl he goes well how did you know i just cut one last night i said no please andy don't play it you're a man ahead of your time (laughs) very Uh, much (laughs) the uh the thing you mentioned about uh the cars and boston and punk and things like that or new wave um the cars in a lot of ways in my opinion uh, were New Wave's first success story. Now, well, probably I can I can dig it. Yeah, it's uh, I believe and and I mean they they were very prolific for the first several years. Every year they released a new album. Cars mm-hmm. came out in '78. Candio came out in '79. Panorama came out in '80, yep. and they were all very good albums. We were talking before we started recording. Panorama in '80 didn't get as much commercial respect or maybe popular sales as the first two. I can think of so many songs that define my high school years if i was going to pick an album from high school outside of the police again because of the group if it's not acdc back in black from 1980 it's panorama by the cars that was an excellent excellent it's a good album. album yeah i i don't know what happened with panorama if people are finally getting sick of the cars and their sound because the year before candy O. Everyone played every single song off that record. I can't think of one song off Candio that did not get any airplay on any radio station. Yeah, and they some were got, playing that to death. Some actually. got. I mean, some got a lot more. Like, let's go. Obviously, the, the opening Definitely, track yeah. got 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 heavy, heavy airplay. But um, give me some slack. And touch yeah. and go are both very good songs off Panorama. My favorite off that one is, um, well, Getting Through and Don't Tell Me No are my favorite ones off Panorama. Um, Don't Tell Me No, I think Give Me Some Slack were singles, the second and third single. And did you know that um, the B-side on the 45 of Don't Tell Me No was a song that did not appear on Panorama? Uh-oh, I need to hear you this need at, some, to point, hear it, at yeah. some point in my life. It's a song called Don't Go to Pieces. In fact, I have it somewhere in the collection here. Well... If he, if you hear someone rummaging through upwards of ten thousand records at some point uh, during this recording, you might find it. But I'm not, we're not I'm not it. challenging him to do that at all. Well, but, if you I want mean, to hear it, maybe the audience would too. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it'd be interesting to hear it because I'm sure I could, you know, I could find it on another source like YouTube or something, as opposed to trying to dig it up while we're trying to do a recording here. But um, that that Should album. Okay. Yes, uh, that album. I've got a handful of songs on my MP3 player from Panorama. Yeah. For those of you listening after 2020, and ne- never mind. <laughs> All right, I'll air this in 2021. There you go, and then MP3 players will be the thing of the past because we'll have digital like tips by then. Reels or phonographs, something like that. Yeah. Play tapes, you know. So each, I mean, obviously with two years difference, we're going to have similar experiences with what songs or groups may have influenced us. However, 
we don't uh, we don't have the same particular likes and dislikes. So there's certain things that would have hit me differently than they hit Stu and vice versa. It's just good that there are several things we talked about yesterday putting this together that we had a lot of things in common where I mentioned this up and I said, oh, see, I like that too or whatever like that. So we've got a lot of things that we have that we both have in common that we hope to bring to you during the course of this podcast here. Definitely. We're we're doing songs that influenced Dave in growing up, and I'm going to play a few that influenced me too. Um, yeah, we don't really usually get to, a chance to do this. I usually, on my regular shows, just play a bunch of random stuff. Uh, on most of my shows, the jazz one, I play ra- random stuff, reggae, the heavy metal, uh, basement metal, we play a bunch of, uh, you know, mishmash then the regular show, and then the spotlight show, which is basically I'm playing one band, one group, you know, and uh, various songs from their albums, and that's kind of a different show, actually. And uh, what was the other one? I'm planning a couple more, actually, that i got to get on the air. Uh, every so often, I'll disappear for a couple weeks, and people say, what, no show? Don't worry, we're here, we're just planning new stuff. But uh, Dave and I have been planning this for a while, and I had you about a year ago with our another friend, Dave Swerdlick, actually, and we got into a very long uh, rap session about everything, so that's what happens with us, old guys. Yeah, our, we got stories to tell. Our one-hour interspersing of music idea wound up being a three-hour ramble fest with maybe two or three <laughs> yep. songs played through the entire time. It was just story after story, because I brought up something, then Stu brought up something, then Dave brought up something, that brought up another memory of this and that. And the other we just were sharing experiences and after three hours like oh time to go so that's it bye (laughs) this one is definitely gonna have more music attached to it but the fact that we have a chance to tell our own personal stories behind these groups or these songs is uh something i i i looking forward to doing and sharing and enjoying hearing uh Stu's perspective 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 Perspective. Perspective. Respective. Respective on certain groups or artists and things like that. Uh, just to hear his, where he comes from with uh, memories I of certain I come from the corner are, over here. We dig you up every now and then? Yeah, you, you can if you want to run Halloween. Okay. <laughs> and basically, Deal. yeah, it's, um, yeah, so I mean, I don't get a chance to have uh, Dave in the studio too often. and It's a hell of a commute from Florida. You're from, yeah, you're living in Florida, though, but how, um, the reason why I wanted Dave here is um, one reason, when we were back in high school, actually, I've known you since you were in fifth grade, sixth grade, through a couple other old mutual friends, and um, I'm not going to say you follow me into the... Uh, the realm of playing drums or instruments, but you play drums, I play drums. Correct. And then when we were in high school, uh, Dave came to KDXL, and I trained you in. Correct. And um, so uh, we got you going in uh, this communication uh, communication business, which you've been in for years and years. That's why I called you the legend. And then you did me a favor five years later in 1985 when I got into college. Uh, you were already at um, the University of Minnesota had a station called WMMR, which doesn't run anymore. But you got me in there, and I thank you very much for it. And had nothing but fun. In fact, those are my favorite years in radio uh, during during that two year period. Those those memories for me are mixed from both high school and college because high school had its own ups and downs that any high school oh, experience is going to have. In college, similar way, but uh, no, I, I enjoyed it. I loved having you around because it was a familiar oh, face back from back from my 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 crib, my hood. Yeah, from Even though hood. we weren't speaking in those, using those <laughs> type of words in the mid-80s, but it was nice to having a, fr- a familiar, friendly face around. Yeah, and I was like, um, when I went to MMR, it was sometimes September 85, 
and I was taking classes there. And all of a sudden, I thought, you know, my older brother was at WMMR, 1974 to 77, I think, or 76. And I remember he would bring cassette tapes home of his show. And the funny thing about him is that I don't know why he was doing this. He would play Chicago, like, um, oh, I don't know, the song Call On Me. And he would go... Uh, this is uh, Stereo 96 WMMR AM 73 and here's I've been searching so long and then he plays Call On Me by Chicago I'm like wait a minute that's not the right song he goes and at the end of the song he goes oh well I played the wrong song that was I'm searching so long and and, uh, I played Feeling Stronger Every Day by Chicago and then he (laughs) did the same thing with Fleetwood Mac he goes he would play um, Rhiannon and he would say here's uh, their latest single Over My Head and he's playing Rhiannon I'm like wait a minute that's the wrong song. Well, oh yeah, oh that's not Rihanna. That's over my head. I'm thinking, either I I know you're smarter than that, but is college t- telling you to play the you know the alternative? I get it. You know sometimes you can get re- uh, confused on certain songs and groups. I get it because I play a lot of obscure things on my show, and it's easy to uh, say the wrong thing. And the listeners out there aren't going to really know until they hear the song and get familiar with it. But when you're playing hits, like let's say uh, what we're going to play real soon. Um, in the next minute or so. Um, like, let's say Fleetwood Mac. Let's pick on them. Uh, you make loving fun, and you play Go Your Own Way. You don't want to say, that's, you make loving fun. Loving you. Yeah. Isn't that right? And people are going to go, that's going your own way, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if there's certain things you can get away with because they might be a little more obscure, but, yeah, you can't really do that. You can't confuse the chain and Rianne and does. Uh, it's just, you just can't do that. Yeah. I've heard people say Fleetwood Mac. Here's their latest single called Ryanon. <laughs> so, oh well, they get the, it's a strange name. Sorry, uh, but anyway, so we're gonna you know uh, have some more songs, pictures, and stories for you all. Okay, uh, songs and stories. I can't put pictures up here. Not yet. I could, but uh, it'd be in the studio. But let's, <laughs> <laughs> and, and trust me, you don't want to see the nude pictures of myself when I was three years old. No, just kidding. None of us want to see the nude pictures. Thank you. I don't show them anyway. <laughs> I don't think I have any nude pictures of me. I, I know that there are laws in this town. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank that's, you. That's a good thing, too. There are there's, there, there's still laws. There's still, and it's, it is 2020. There's still police. So, okay. uh, again. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yes. If you're listening in 2025. Away, uh-huh. Yeah, if you're listening in 2025, there used to be something called police. Hey, we'll play a song from the police soon, too. How about that? Fair enough. Okay. Anyway, let's do the next song here. Uh, we'll ramble after this one. This was their late, uh, latest. <laughs> here we go again. I can do that because I've you got talked a co-pilot. Yourself, you talked yourself into to doing that. That's this right. is the latest and greatest hit from the Osmonds. The Osmonds. And they're late. Well, yeah, if we're living in 1971, this was their second hit, uh, although the Osmonds had about five singles uh, before they really made it big in the 70s because they were discovered by, of all people, Andy Williams. Okay, they sure. Were on his, they were on uh, his variety show. shows, yeah. Yeah, and they were just more of a choral group and all that. But when they got to uh, Muscle Shoals Studio and Mike Curb, they uh, were, were turned into a pop group. And they were very, very popular uh, for the people who have no clue who they were. They were the rivals to the Jackson 5, Michael Jackson and gang. 
uh, these guys were Donny Osmond was the young lead singer from for the Osmonds, and Dave wanted to play something he um, that he grew up with, and I remember hearing this all the time on the radio. Summer '71. This is not their first single, "One Bad Apple," although it sounds like it. Compare the yeah, compare your memory to "One Bad Apple" to this song. This is called "Double Double Loving" by the Osmonds. Got all the way up to number fourteen on the Billboard charts, all the way back to uh, the solid gold year of 1971 on "Songs from the Basement." basement with Stuart Held.
to Songs of the Basement, and that's definitely a basement song. That's the theme to The Bugaloos, a Sid and Marty Croft cartoon from the early 70s. Uh, Martha Ray was one of the uh, stars to that uh, cartoon. Yeah, she played the evil, she was the evil antagonist called Witchy Poo. Witchy Poo. And that, when Ooh, when okay. Stuart showed me the records that we were going to be playing after talking it over, it's like, I remember that. That was one of the, the, the shows I watched as a kid. Uh, like every young male uh, that watched the show, they were uh, fans of the cute. I don't know her character name. I, I just for the life of me, I don't remember. Caroline Ellis is a real name. Okay. Uh, and at the end of the now, at the that the theme would be like a thirty second theme on the TV show, but they always would say to their their fans, "Don't forget to write." We love to hear from you. So each of the four would say a piece of that. One would say, don't forget. Second person would say, to write. Third person would say, we love to hear. And the fourth person would say, from you. And I was one of those kids that you that rode into the Bugaloos you know, fan club back in the early 70s. So that was, I mean, I remember that show. right now. As a, as a, as a, they, they, there's probably no one there to respond oh, it's darn. a long time ago we don't have a time machine yeah, and if you had a time machine i don't know if you'd ago. go back to that moment in time just so you could hear back from them <laughs> uh, it's not. like it, you probably want to like buy stock in like amazon or netflix instead but that's True. you know whatever whatever floats your boat uh that was <laughs> no but this uh the bugaloos and sid marty croft had a lot of really popular shows in the early mid 70s uh i don't think they they were they probably were the dominant force in kids programming for a handful of years over the course of uh i don't think they were just strictly on one network i think they had shows on each network i'm guessing i'm not 100 yeah. percent, but they were very very big and very very popular with animated stuff or live action or puppeteers large puppets large yes. hu- large you know uh six foot seven foot eight foot puppets that you know adult men or adult women would be in the costume of and it was, I mean, for kids, like Land of the Lost and... Uh, oh, uh, Lizville, uh, Sigmund and the Sea Sigmund, Monsters. Yeah, Sigmund and uh, um, oh, oh, goodness. Oh, there was a couple more. Um, well, there was Wonderbug, and there was um, uh, there was um, Electro Woman and Diana Girl. There was oh, um, Dr. Shrinker. I mean, these were all part of their... They, they had a, a group. They had a, a group of shows that they ran every morning. It was like a two-hour block called the... Um, the Cross Super Show. Right. And that they rotated, you know, these episodes, these different, the last few I mentioned. And I remember those things vividly from the mid you know, early mid-70s. I mean, it's just like like I can see it right now. And thank you for bringing that one out. It's just oh, like, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like all these childhood memories coming back. The which is lose. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, there's cartoons that we grew up watching um, back in the day, you know, the, the Looney Tunes the Bugs Bunny show, funny, Bugs yeah. Bunny cartoons and the Looney Tunes stuff, and then live action stuff like the Bugaloos and other Sid and Marty Croft uh, shows. So it's just, 
and and the Jackson Five and the Osmonds had their cartoon shows as well. So it, right. it does a lot of things that I grew up watching. I was one of those kids that was sat in front of the TV Saturday morning for several hours. Either I either I was put there by my my mom <laughs> or I put myself there. I remember doing that, uh, watching some other, a couple other ones. There were four of them: the Archies, uh, well, five, Shazam, uh, the Impossibles, and then there was um, oh, Underdog. But then okay. there was Josie and the Pussycats, and Scooby Doo started in the late '60s, early '70s, and then the other one was the Hair Bear Bunch, the three hair bears, you yep. know. Um, you know, they were like, I'll hair, I'll get you. That's all right. And then uh, the, uh, Mr. Peevely, ooh, ooh, uh, his botch. Okay. You know, oh, boy, I'll get my promotion. Botch, go back to the office. Okay, Mr. Peevely. <laughs> I remember, so, yeah, I, I, the, of those, the Archies is the one I used to watch. I wasn't a Scooby-Doo yeah. person or anything else, but the Archies I used to watch. I used to watch Archies a lot. And um, one of my Facebook friends is Ron Dante, who was the singer to the Archies. Okay. And did you know Ron was also the producer for Barry Manilow? Oh, really? Yeah, he put him, he put Barry on the map. No kidding. Yeah, and on record too. Ah, even you do, you need to, you if you're going to be doing those things, and you got to have a little drum kit for the rim oh. shot. There you go, a real one, really. a real one. Yes, yeah, a, real, know, a, a real, a real, a real, real small three piece right on top of the, on the right next to the your uh, your okay. mixer board. That's the maintenance man. Okay, no problem. Uh, just make sure the antenna is uh, going for the show. Maintenance man number one. Or two. Number Sorry. two. Yeah. Maintenance man number three is sleeping on the couch right behind you. That's the dog. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize they were one and the same. Yeah, they were well, feeding time for her in an hour or so. There you go. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, I mean, when, you, when we were kids, I used to eat uh, Frostios, which is now Frosted Cheerios, to all the cartoons. And sometimes, well, my mom would get us a, a bunch a bunch of stuff, like Post Super Sugar Crisp, uh, Fruit Loops, and Frosted Flicks, Flakes. Flakes. Uh, <laughs> I could have said something else, but there are kids listening. I hope and, so. Um, I hope there's a large number of kids listening. I hope so. And they're all over the world, too. We, you know, you, you were going to be heard all over the world on this show. I like it. You're going to be heard in Spain. You're going to be heard in England. You're heard in Australia, Canada, Japan. The now you're sounding like the opening of, of, of uh, All-Star Wrestling. <laughs> All-Star Wrestling! Okay, that's, that's going to be that's a different show. Subject. That's another subject. That'd, oh, be a completely, no, that'd be a completely different show. I'll get you, Crusher! <laughs> so, that's, oh boy, that was something we used to watch all the time, too. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, but yeah, this is, well, by the way, this is Songs in the Basement with uh, Stuart Held with our co-pilot, Dave Levine, and definitely uh, wanted to get him in. By the way, Dave, when we were young, yeah, we used to sit and watch cereal or eat pop tarts or whatever we were <laughs> oh you didn't um oh, oh you did i did I, I, yeah I, yes i certainly did i uh Me too. i would i would i would ch- yeah i would chase the bowl of cereal with the pop tart because one wasn't enough you needed the full sugar rush especially when you're five or six years old because yep. you really want to be bouncing off the walls Plus, on Saturday mornings, I needed that sugar rush, not because I slept so hard and I had to get up early in the morning to watch the cartoons, but if you knew the friends I was running around with our block here, uh, boy, we ran all day, and they wore me out, and I was supposed to wear them out, uh, We you know, was, neighborhood kids we, 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 we may or may not have been active in doing stuff. We just liked eating sugar. Well, yeah, that too. I still like eating sugar. It's uh, supposed to... 
you know, I sh- miss sugar. Yeah, sugar and Peter go to get. Wait a minute, Peter and sugar, no, no, salt and Peter. There you go. go. There we go. Peter. Okay. Now, one thing well, that um, I hope this podcast does for people listening is that think back to the songs that you grew up with, the songs that I don't want you to. Re- no, be that way. you're not listening. You're talking. What? You're I wasn't listening. <laughs> the you know, think about the songs that you remember as a kid growing up, or the songs that influenced your musical tastes from childhood to to where you are now. You might be surprised um, how long you've been listening to certain groups or artists, where they came from. It's like, oh, I remember I was listening to this group so and so. How did I listen? Oh yeah, it was my brother that did that, and I'm, we'll get to that eventually during this this uh, show. Okay. So, so I mean, I hope that that gets people out here thinking of where their musical influences came from. Where did you first hear certain groups yeah. that you're still listening to, and things of that nature? Because it's not it's a nice exercise to go back to your to look back and think about. Yeah, I, I remember watching this show or listening to this show. Or what's the first album or CD or 45 you remember buying? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we got the Osmonds from because. One Bad Apple is one of the first 45s I ever bought with my own money. The Jacksons were another one. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, that's just kind of kind of the, the genesis of where some of these songs that we're playing today are coming from because of my childhood memories and Stu's childhood memories and things of that nature. Right. But well, we'll, yeah, we're going to get to a lot of that stuff here. Um, in the meantime, should we move on with this one? Or? Something out of my high school. I mentioned that okay. the police were the band. If I was going to mark was one band one. from my high school years, again, I graduated in 1983. Uh, they stopped recording after 82-83 uh, with Synchronicity. That was the last album they came out with. So if anything that matches that high school finality of time, the police would be it. Okay. Well, let's do a track. It was the third single from um, their third record, I believe it was, uh, Ghost in Law Machine. No, Ghost in the Machine that came out. August of 1981, and instead of playing uh, the two big hits that everyone's sick of now, or maybe heard of too much, we're going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, we're going to be playing the third single from this record that came out as a single early 1982, so uh, we're right in the middle of your high school year. Uh, some of you who know the police will know this one. This is called Secret Junkie Journey Police right here on Songs in the Basement.
right there from 1972 on a solid gold evening. What's the phrase that pays? It's the Eagles right here on KKK uh, www and all that good stuff. No, this is Songs from the Basement with uh, Stuart Held and uh, the legendary Dave Levine is there, right here. I was hoping you'd say the phrase that pays on Songs from the Basement will take the second, you know, caller or something like that and, <laughs> and swear I wanted to see some phone light up. Just... That'd be, that would have been cool. That would, that would have been worth the price of admission. That's the Eagles. And what's the phrase that pays? Call 952-952-22 right here. And you be the 100th caller. And you can <laughs> win a needle that just played that last record. In fact, you can win the record right now. Eagles' greatest hits. Yes, and that's Dave's no, record We right have here. no use for it. <laughs> we uh, have no use for it because it was... Oh, anyway, hi. Um, we were talking... Again, we, we set this up yesterday. We were talking about songs that... Uh, basement? Songs from the basement, but songs that I gr- remember growing up with. One of the first uh, 45s I ever bought with my own money was Witchy Woman by the Eagles. That's why we played That's it. That's why we played it. And uh, right now, I've you know, you, you don't always keep the same tastes in music growing up. You, you acquire some, you lose others. And I have no use for the Eagles in my mus- in my library. I'm not I'm not a fan. You're so not an Eagles fan. I'm not an Eagles fan. Okay. Um, it's not like it's not like the if I was in the car listening to a radio and they came on, I would immediately uh, switch Turn it off. <laughs> that would be reserved for Bruce Springsteen and things of that nature. But uh, yeah, the Eagles. I'm not a, I'm not a fan. It's not like I I don't go out of my way to listen to them. But I was just telling Stuart, you know, I, like the first 45 I remember buying was uh, ABC by the Jackson 5. Witchy Woman would have been one of the first ones I remember buying. Uh, Knock Three Times by Tony Orlando and Don is one of the ones I, first ones I remember buying. Uh, one Bad Apple by the Osmonds is one of the first ones I remember buying. A mm-hmm. uh, song we may... Uh, I don't know if I want to spoil what's coming up, but uh, Casey, Casey and the Sunshine Band, I remember buying that um, with my own money. I remember buying a song by a group called Blood Rock with my own money. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, I'll dig that one out. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be a trip. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, trip. it's something that if you've never heard it, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, All from Dave's original records. And yeah, I w- I don't have them anymore. <laughs> I I I You're lucky out. I collect records. I I wish I I wish I'd given them to you or sold them to you. I yeah. had I had a record collection in Seattle in my old storage unit. All right, fine. That, We're flying to Seattle to get your records that I emptied out uh, last year, 2019, and it would have cost me several hundred dollars to pack and ship to the Twin Cities to either keep it myself or and store it at my house or um, ship to where I'm living in Florida or do something else with them. And I just decided it's not worth the expense and sold it to a uh, secondhand record store 
in Seattle. Hey, they were happy that you uh, sold your stuff to them. They're thrilled that I sold my stuff to them because everything was in, kept in wonderful shape because I learned at an early age after wearing out some of my brother's records. Uh, <laughs> you had to buy your own. Yeah, I had to buy my own, and I wasn't going to do that with those. So, you know, how to handle them properly, how to maintain them, clean them, make sure you're, Don't you know. Right on the label. All that stuff. And uh, so uh, I, I wish I'd still had them, but. Even if I had them in my in my place in Florida, I wouldn't have space for them, and I wouldn't be playing them. I don't have the equipment to play them. So, aren't you I, glad you know me? I can hook you up with a turntable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can hook me up with the records I don't have anymore. Well, I can. Go, well, we're going to fly to Seattle, go to that record store, and buy them all back, and then you'll hopefully fly at to Florida. hopefully at cost. Uh, oh, the yeah. only ones I kept were my vinyl. Uh, Beatles records. Um, uh, yeah, you keep those. There were some. I kept those. Well, my they were my mother's original. My mother introduced me to the Beatles, and she had original pressings of the White Album, Sgt. Pepper, uh, I want to say Revolver, and one other, one other, the earlier U.S. releases. Uh, Beatles 65, probably, Meet the Beatles. It was probably Meet the Beatles. Beatles for Sale, or, uh, oh, was, that's a British one. It would, it would have been, it would have been, um, it would probably would have been uh, Meet the Beatles. Meet the Beatles. Um, and... I had a couple of box sets that were reissued, like in the early '80s, of their Parlophone catalog. You keep those. I have that. Yeah, I have. I have. I have that in the box, and I also have the 45s, the yeah. singles that they did. And if you do sell them, you can make some money. Uh, the Beatles mean a little bit too much to me for me to sell. Don't That's sell why them. I kept them. I, I packed those. Case. I packed those uh, and and in my luggage and carried them back to Florida. Okay, no with problem. Me. They were in my carry-on. I wasn't going to have them check baggage. <laughs> and I wasn't going to ship them. They were in my carry-on. I I made sure I kept those. By the way, what? record store did you go to in seattle that you sold your records to? i sold them to a store called easy street which was easy. in west seattle about two miles from the apartment where i used to live where i lived there about 10 years okay i'll tell you why because we got listeners in seattle people might know that store and now they're gonna go hey you have the original dave levine records well they didn't have my name on them and stuff like okay. that I, I was told not to write on the labels so they wouldn't know I they know, were I mine told you that. uh yeah i uh no i had i had a collection maybe a couple hundred deep okay uh if i if there were anything that really held strong memories for me i would have kept them the okay. beatles are the only ones i really did just because uh the original ones were my mom's and the other ones were just they just meant that much to me so those are the ones i kept and i had some beatles uh framed artwork that i have so i've got a little shrine in my uh apartment in, in florida with my beatles albums displayed okay. the pictures and their uh, the anthology CDs and their BBC live the BBC CDs and that's what I've got left of okay. my Beatles collection. Nice going. Yep, keep that stuff because they're fun. We yeah. will get to a Beatles song that Dave wanted to play. We're kind of playing stuff that he grew up with today, and I'll mix in a few things of mine. I insisted, it, Stuart, that I didn't want it to be a, a David dominant show. I wanted Stuart to play stuff that he influenced, so I could. Yeah, but hear I do from, that all the time. Yeah, on but my I, show. I want to hear from his own lips here, sitting him why they where they came from and why, and who may have introduced them to certain groups or artists. Okay, I guess so. But we'll do that because, uh, you know, how many times do you get to uh, do do a fun thing like this? So, But uh, anyway, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go. I'll get into a couple of mine that uh, basically this is, do you remember a show called the Desert Island Discs? It was a British show with big stars like Paul McCartney uh, from, from the Beagles. Paul, Paul 
that Paul kid from the the Beach Boys. Paul. Paul Carl Baum. Paul doesn't ring a. Uh, I, okay. I, he might make something of himself eventually. Yeah. You don't know the legendary Paul Carl Baum? No. Okay, fine. He was in the Bow Street Runners. Okay. Um, uh, my friend Joey Mullen from Badfinger was on this, and they they give you ten songs. If you were on a desert island, what song? If you could put your favorite songs on one vinyl album and take a record player, and you were on this island for about five months, what songs would you take with? This is kind of like Dave's Desert Island disc, and sort of mine. I don't have my absolute favorite ones, but I'm going to do some favorites that I've grown up with. Well, we, we didn't we didn't discuss my absolute all time favorite song is because we were well, talking about kind what of a good uh, sample. Of okay, your life. that's true. It's a sample of my yeah. life and my growing up and influences and things I remember from my childhood and other things of that nature. But if you were to ask me my all time favorite song, what is it? It's Revolution. It's the single version, not the oh the Beatles. One, yeah, the Beatles. It's not. It's not the one off of. The White Album, it's not the slow, melodic Revolution 1. It's the single, the, the re-release. Single version, And sure. that's fantastic. Yeah. Best, my favorite, by leaps and bounds. There okay. is no number two. Well, people, should we ask that musical question? Uh, say you want a revolution? Well, you know. Okay. <laughs> well, you know. Well, you know. Well, you know. <laughs> well, not much. What do you know? So, um, oh, hi. The, okay. the, the song we're about, that Stu's about to play, is something that, has a different meaning to both of us because of our uh, knowledge of the group, members of the group growing up in St. Louis Park. Yes, they did. I, I knew these guys. I think you knew them, too. I knew one of them. We showed, uh, actually, no, we didn't shell. But you uh, mentioned... We watched them uh, grow into the music business in many different ways. Uh, they came out from St. Louis Park, Minnesota, USA, which is just one city out of Minneapolis. And uh, But this was a band called Sussman Lawrence. You will probably know a guy named Peter Himmelman. He's actually a worldwide known uh, musician who travels the world. He's been doing this since 1985. I don't know if he's had any real top 40 hits, but people know him for some reason. There. He, know where he lives too. He wa- <laughs> he wound up being very influential to a lot of uh, groups like the Suburbs and the Replacements and things of that nature. And they and Little Peter yeah. and and then they grew and then those that kind of spread out. So yeah. he he was somebody that if it's it's somebody that I mean you it's it's hard to define. It's a, if you've heard of him, you've heard of him, but you've more people might be familiar with groups that say they mark him as an influence as opposed to him directly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the member of the group that I knew growing up was their bass player named Al Wallovich. He grew up two streets away from me. He was several years older than me. He was my brother's age. So I grew up, uh, beca- I grew up knowing Al because of my brother's friendship with him. I knew he was a musician. But when they recorded their first album, it was like massive because it's like if you see somebody on TV that you know it's like hey so and so was on TV or whatever like that it was a big deal but if you it was the first time any that I knew someone that had produced something that was going to be seen by other people right. outside yeah. of our own little community or whatever right. or neighborhood community whatever you want to say they produced an album albums get sold in Minneapolis, they get sold in St. Paul. They get sold, Paul. They get sold in Chicago. They get sold in New York. They get sold in things called countries. And it's like 
they're, what the they, hell's a country? They, they, they produced an album that was huge. Yeah. And so they got a lot of notoriety locally and things of that nature. But the fact that somebody I knew growing up produced a record was mm-hmm. huge, massive, big. And, and you know that what? was this was that this was it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Minnesota is not really. A lot of people would say, "Well, what's Minnesota? Who are the musicians out of Minnesota?" Uh, the people who don't live here will think of Bob Dylan and Prince, and that's about it. And then they'll think of maybe Judy Garland, Peter Graves from Mission Impossible grew up here. Robert Vaughn from Man from Uncle played football with my my uncle. Okay, they were on the same football team. Same, uh, they passed the ball to each other. You know, so that. your so, uncle was the man from Uncle's Uncle. Uncle's Uncle. Okay, yeah. he was the monkey monkey's uncle. He was the monkey's uncle. <laughs> I had to say that. Yeah, we need the rim shot back. Dips. All right. Anyway, but uh, so anyway, we talked about the Sussman Lawrence band. Let's play a track from their first record that came out in, I believe it was uh, November '79 when we first heard about it. Um, I remember KDXL playing this, and uh, we played a couple tracks. I think we played everything from here for about five months, and then we were like, "Well, when's your next album coming out?" Well, they didn't. Not until four years later when Pop City came out. You know, City. So anyway, but we'll go back to their punk days. Now, the only thing that I remember, well, no, I remember a lot about this thing. Uh, The critics actually in town, unfortunately, compared Peter Himmelman's voice to Elvis Costello. They said, oh, he's just uh, trying to be an Elvis Costello wannabe. And I remember Peter Himmelman saying, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to be like uh, Elvis Costello or anyone. And we were like, okay, we believe you. But you decide, for the first time ever, out of our country, some people are going to hear a track from this record. Welcome to the modern hero, Sussman Lawrence from, um, uh, whatever, Shelley's Dog, Sussman Lawrence, on Songs from the Basement. i 
Los Angeles to Barcelona, Paris to Tokyo, Manila to Sydney, Minneapolis to Brazil, London to Johannesburg, and lots more all over the world. Tune in to Songs from the Basement.
And you're listening to Songs from the Basement, and that's uh, Friends from the theme, the theme song to Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Uh, Johnny Whitaker is actually the one that sang that. And the reason why we play that, we thought, why not? It's another so. song similar to the Bugaloo's theme. It was another Sid and Marty Croft production, but it was another uh, song from a show that we both, both grew up watching. That's right. That's why we played it because we we mentioned them, and I thought, you know what? Let's dig out the record and, and play the one of the tr- tracks from I, there. Something that just hit me is that Sid and Marty. Besides that, uh, <laughs> whoever was marketing these sh- these particular shows, the Bugaloo's and uh, Sigmund that we just uh, we, we played so far in this show, um, they were marketing and, and we, the Osmonds and the Jacksons, obviously, because they're recording artists first and foremost, but. These these people were making use of their cross promotional things as much as they could back in the seventies. Yeah. They were have they had the TV shows. They had lunch boxes. They had um, some of them had uh, cartoon. Uh, I'm guessing like heart cartoon booklets or whatever you call it, you know. No no not bobbleheads but the uh, you know like uh, you go to a um, the comics. Oh, comics. Yeah. Now, some of the comics became animated shows like the Archies, and then some of the animated shows or live-action shows had companion uh, comic books. So they were cross-promoting themselves the best they could, given what media was available to them. Plus, they were on all of the uh, Tiger Beat and um, uh, Seventeen and all the magazines that were... Uh, aimed towards young girls or youngsters, uh, you know, uh, gender notwithstanding. Because uh, I remember growing, um, having some of those uh, fan magazine type of things, not Tiger Beat, because then that was, again, that was more, I think, ge- geared towards uh, girls. But they had. And Winnie the Pooh, too. But they had. Uh, yeah, they had. Um, Tigger, Tigger. Uh, Tigger, Tigger, right. Tigger. Um, they had the other booklets that would have the Happy Days cast people in them or. Uh, other shows oh, yeah. that were you Bios know about exactly right lives, right yeah. right yeah and so the fact that they were cross promoting themselves in music form as well is not a surprise and the fact that Stewart has them is also not a surprise because <laughs> everything there he has every record ever recorded yeah I'm like the Library of Congress they come to me for that us. would be that would be something if yeah. they did <laughs> no I I have a big collection because I have like so many shows. And, you know, some people like to drink, smoke. I like to buy records. And now, now we utilize them for the shows. So. There's another wrong, and it's a hell of a write-off. Yeah, this record cost me $8,000 because it's a rarity, so you're going to get your taxes back for the last for the next four years. And that's okay. Yes. Taxes rise. Yes, yes. Back, yes. For those of you listening, in the year 2025, there used to be something called record stores. In the year 2025? In the year 2025. 2025. Oh, okay. Well, that's a long way to, to go. Yeah, we're, we're, I don't think either of us would be around for 500 years. Definitely not. But, I don't think but we'll his make record collection will be. Yeah, these <laughs> records are going to be around somewhere. Yep, someone's going to have them. Yeah, let, let maybe else maybe it's it. you. Be the ninety nine hundredth caller. Ninety nine hundredth caller. Nine five two nine five two nine five two. Right here, and you can catch the disc jockeys. Although you gotta you gotta tell us what's the phrase that pays. Because we don't know what it is. We have no idea. Yeah, we haven't created. We haven't thought about that part yet. Because we haven't really thought this through. In case someone <laughs> yeah, actually calls and tries to say, "I want your records, damn it! You promised." <laughs> we, I know, we haven't thought about. Uh, I don't give away a lot around here. Um, not, not much. And a lot of people do not want maintenance, man. So, uh, 
No, <laughs> they have to feed him, and you know, have to, he, be the negative he, tenth caller and, for that. Yeah, and he eats. You know, yeah, you have he to, does. You have to feed him, so good you got to feed him, that. house him, and uh, whenever he has to go out to piddle, you know, in the middle of the night, you got to be responsible. Yeah, yeah, take him out. Well, yeah, I or do. open the door for him and then let him back in. Yeah, but that's okay. He fixes the equipment around here for it. Well, so I guess that's, that's a decent even trade, trade, I guess. All right, Stu. So, what do you have next on, okay. on our on our agenda? Actually, the next thing I want to do is um, I want to play you something that's very very rare. Came out in 1970, and you might remember doing this, maybe not. And if you didn't, that's okay. When I was a little youngster, in fact, I played this at WMMR. You know what? You and I did a couple shows together back in 1986, and I played this actual record on a show. It was it was actually the Stuart Held show, but you were my guest again, All so right. karma comes around again. And I played this. Um, it, it was a record. I call it the Southdale record. And what it is is that you could go into um, like Piccadilly Circus or you know those video game um, areas, you know, and you could play pinball and go on kitty trains and you know do the skittle balls and you can win a stuffed doll or something, and. Back then, they had a record machine, a little record booth. You put in 50 cents, and for 30, 30 seconds, you can make your own record. Like, hello, I'm Betty. I just want to say hello to my boyfriend, Jack. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm going to send this record to you. Or you can have a couple people come into this cramped booth and sing a song. Hey, we're going to do the latest doors. Everybody, let my fire. Everybody, <laughs> oh, you screwed up, Betty. Oh, I'm sorry. Everybody, let my and then and the, the record ends up, yeah. So I made one of these when I was seven years old in, I guess, August of 1970. I don't have a title for it, but I'm going to let everybody, including you, hear what I sounded like in 1970 when I was seven years old. Right. I just call it the Oogabagabagooga record or whatever. Well, the South Dale How record. do you spell that? Um, A-B-Q-A-I-D-E-F-Z-F-U-K-B-U-E. The Z was silent. Yes. Go right. And so is the age. <laughs> let's hear it. And so is me. Okay, right, here we go. go. Stuart Hell at Southdale, live at Southdale, 1970. Well, here we are in my Sylvia bag. And you want my milk? Is that. Hey, Eric, where? Hey, Junior, you know what? Yeah, what? Uh, what? Oh, Junior, you know what? Oh, what is it? Hey, 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 open the door! Open it! 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 Open
classic right there from 1972, Hanging Around, a song that should have been a hit but got lots of airplay, and I think uh, on classic rock radio stations, it still does get some airplay from time to time, and it should because it's a good song. Hanging Around, uh, Edgar Winter actually is known for being the brother of Johnny Winter, and Edgar was known for a couple hits called Free Ride and Frankenstein. I'm sorry, Frankenstein. And that song, Hanging Around, came from the same album. They only come out at night. So if you like that song and you like Frankenstein, go buy that album. You'll get all two or three songs, plus some others. And Rick Derringer produced and wrote some of this uh, record, too. So he did a lot of stuff, uh, Rick Derringer. He was also in the McCoys. Are we getting too far into uh, rock and roll stuff? I don't know. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's true. Hey, everyone, have you figured out what's the phrase that pays? We haven't either, so there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we're still we're, we're still waiting for the 1100th, 1100th caller. That's right, and we're only on the uh, 435th caller. Yeah, so we've got plenty of time. Sure. Uh, Joe Walsh, right before that, in the city, it was his version of it from the movie The Warriors that came out in 1978. Uh, the Eagles actually uh, re-recorded that for the uh, long run record a year later that came out in 79. But to be honest with you, uh, the version we played is my favorite. Hopefully it is for years because the Eagles really kind of, I hate to say it, they made it a boring version of the long run. Also, I know uh, one guy that played on that actual version, a guy named Bill Como, who was uh, also, he was a keyboard player, a session keyboard player, and everyone has heard his music. If you like the song Here I Go Again by Whitesnake, he's the keyboard player on that. If you remember Kim Carnes' Betty Davis' Eyes, he's the keyboard player of that. He's the, re- he's the arranger of that song. Okay. And he was also on... Um, I believe it was either Paul Stanley or Peter Chris's record, their solo record from 78. He was on a couple songs off there. He's been on a lot of things. And uh, one of my favorite bands, when uh, an obscure band, Bonnaroo, Bill Como was uh, one of the leaders of that one. I could have brought, actually, I could bring that single out, but um, I didn't think to. I could dig it out if you want. One, one, we got a lot of songs here. You, you could do show after show after show of songs that, were backed by uh, session musicians and studio musicians because they are they i you know just looking things up uh i somebody uh that um a friend of mine on facebook if you're listening in the year 2025 facebook was a very popular social media platform in 2020 it was (laughs) (laughs) um that uh uh, put up a link to i think it was rolling stone magazine it could have been a, a a different magazine listing the top 100 bass players of all time in rock and roll and one of the top five or top 10 listed was a session musician i can't remember her name but people cited her as an influence because of not only uh who she recorded with and it's like she recorded with the who's who and everything else but she was part of a group of session musicians who were known i want to say they're called the wrecking crew Oh, okay. And uh, they, they, uh-huh. they, they, they backed so many Motown artists and things of that nature. So the the fact that you mentioned this key, this keyboard player who played on certain different songs and things like that, maybe as part of session group, maybe it's because they needed a, a person to fulfill that role because that the band didn't have a keyboard player, and it's like, oh well, we know this person that. Uh, it's available that does this that and he's really really good and bring him in to do it so you get people that perform on certain on a lot of different albums and a lot of different groups and a lot of different recordings because of their ability and notoriety and things of that nature it just made me think of uh 
the versatility of your friend that made me think of all the you know the session artists who were anonymous but right. performed on so many number one songs and number one albums and hits by all these people that you know the singer because it's their group and they're the performer like James Brown even though he had a backing group called the Fabulous Flames I'm just using that name as an example Um, it's James Brown and you're hearing all these great musicians in the background and they're anonymous because it's all James Brown it's James Brown and it's James Brown but you don't know who who they're playing with him and when you listen to these people and then they they perform with this group or this artist or whatever like that and it's like oh my god these people are fantastic and they're backing all these different various styles of music and they don't miss a they don't miss and it's just it's just amazing to to uh to read about people like that and groups like that because unless you research it you got no idea And, and again reading about this particular bassist whose name escapes me unfortunately because she deserves more credit than that just it's like you know delving into music history like that is really something that is worth it's worth digging into right um i was gonna say something about uh, the band um people know them as ars atlanta rhythm section now they were a couple bands previously some of the guys from that band played in uh dennis the austin classics four the Candymen, and um, what was the other band? I would just it escapes me here, but yeah, they played behind Roy Orbison as the Candymen. Okay, and then they did the Candymen two albums, and then uh, Cl- Classics four, and then they uh, did in seventy one the ARS stuff, and the rest was history after that. Um, but w- yeah, there was the Wrecking Crew, and then there was the crew that wrecks the Wrecking Crew. <laughs> and all, all the oh, did you know um, uh, James Brown band? Uh, Bootsy Collins, uh, he played with James Brown for about a year or so, and then he got out of there. Uh, another uh, example, uh, Frank Zappa's band. We mentioned him earlier, I think, uh, or did we mention him off mic? But we'll mention him now. Two of the guys that played with uh, Zappa for about a year was Flo and Eddie, two guys from the Turtles. After the Turtles broke up, they went into Zappa's band, and uh, they were all far out, from, you know, for a year or two, and then they went into their own band, so... Well, uh, you, yeah, people kind of shuffle in, in and out of different bands. We played the you played the Eagles and you played uh, Joe Walsh earlier. The Eagles, obviously, you mentioned oh, that's uh, right. off yep, mic. Yep. Um, were Linda Ronstadt's backing band. That's true for yeah. a period of time. Uh, you um, we've talked about Elvis Costello off mic, and you've got Elvis lined up as part of our show today. Um, the uh, one of the groups that backed him for a while was Huey Lewis and the News, but without Huey, it was the News as their Musical. backing group. So you, these these groups that became known on their own had histories before that in a lot of yep. cases, too. In fact, uh, around the time the News was with Elvis, Huey was with Thin, Thin Lizzy for a brief period, about a half a year. Wow. It's so there you go. <laughs> it's amazing how these people can intertwine and find themselves and then produce some great music on their own yeah oh uh daryl dragon from the captain crunch and Tennille. uh daryl dragon played with the beach boys for a while no one knew that unless you're a beach boy fan yes 
And, okay. Unless, no, unless, like, I'm just saying, I'm with you. Unless you were a Beach yeah, Boys just, fan, you, you you knew that he was part of that group. Yeah. Billy Preston played with the Bagels, a uh, Beatles. <laughs> no. well, they were a tasty group, you know. Yes, they were very tasty. Were. Okay, but uh, yeah, so that's what we played. Um, all that Joe Walsh and uh, this. Oh yeah, and what, right before that was um, uh, yours truly, the host of the show when he was seven years old, called the Southdale Records. Stewart held 1970 solid gold. Uh, now, what we're going to do here for this next sec- segment here, oh boy, we got a lot to do here. Uh, time is going fast, but that's okay. That's why we're here, uh, to keep all the people who need someone to talk to. We're just background noise for you, right? Okay, uh, so we'll keep doing this. Anyway, um, let's. Um, I'm going to play a cassette here. A ca- here, a cassette. This is, what am I playing here? Oh, you're, you're spared right now. I am going to let people hear what I sounded like. When on my very first professional show at this KDXL in October, October 13th, Friday the 13th, 1978, I was horrible. I really was. Okay, but I played some darn good music on this show. And that's the important part. Yeah, the music was, not the disc jockey. But what I'm going to do, and that's okay, um... You're not escaping this. I have some relics. That's for okay. You hey, you're. <laughs> so. I'm. I'm. I'm here. If you want to play stuff that you've recorded that you have of me, uh, on on a cassette, knock yourself out. Okay. Good that way you want to hear me. <laughs> See how that works. Oh, what? What yeah, he's come, damn, he's coming too. I didn't hit him quite hard enough. Oh, well, you can hit me again if you want. That's all right. That is the Dave Levine show. Once enough. Once was enough. Okay. Are you sure you don't want your own show? I can hook you up here. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, the, the, the whole thing is you want me to have my own show, so I'm forced to invite you on my podcast. Can you? I have to have a podcast first. Okay. Well, I can hook you up. I'll get you going on this. I know you're going to do it from Florida, but here's the, here's the kicker. It gives me an excuse to get out of Minnesota to fly to Florida. If there's still a Florida after, well... Oh. After the oceans rise and and uh, her next, the next wave of hurricanes. Let's think positive thoughts, okay? All right, <laughs> so, we'll think positive thoughts. Besides, I need to go swimming anyway. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of water around Florida. There is a lot of water around well, Florida. Florida has it, you know. Yes. So. Okay, that's yeah, good. I'm not knocking Florida. I want to visit it sometime. And I, actually, I have an excuse to get to Titusville. I need to. It's for the, one of the books I'm writing. It takes place down there, and I really want to make sure that I get my information right. But, yeah, money's a little tight these days, so um, I'm going to have to wait. All right. But I'll get the book out anyway. Okay, uh, as I adjust my chair here, all this right. is um, as, uh, a cassette falls. That's all right. Maintenance man, pick that up, would you? Okay, this is, you're going to be, everyone's going to be twice entertained here. I'm going to play about 30 seconds of this. So this is um, the original tape. Uh, from the Stuart Held Show from KDXL, October 1978. I'm just going to start it, and we'll let everybody listen listen and laugh to this. I mean, listen and learn to this. All right. Okay, here we go. Stuart Held from 78 on KDXL Radio. I was still old, and I will still love you. It's Steely Dan from his second album. But it is now partly so windy and quite cool during the day. XL92 with Stuart Held. I'll be with you for a while. Yeah. Did I just say that? I don't know. This is a cut from the album Grand Illusion from Styx. And this is Doug Kicket to Miss America. You know who you are, so just stand by. 
having family problems, depressed, confused, this is a PSA we're playing. Friends, then call Helpline. Thank Helpline you, Howard Wallstein. Helpline is a free confidential phone service which provides information and referrals to people who need help. Helpline operators are available to help you from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Just call Helpline, 935-5761. That's 935-5761. Okay, so that's a little bit of the Stuart Held Show from October 1978 and that PSA, Public Service Announcement, don't call it because that number is not around anymore, I don't believe. But that's our old pal Howard Wallstein uh, uh, doing that PSA to the Little River Band's Help Is On The Way song. So I thought I'd give Howard some airplay here. Oh, oh, hi. Was that? There right. we go. There um, go. I'd be curious what, if we called that number, what would show up depending on the area code? It, it would be a 952 area code. I don't right. know. Should we replay this and call it? What do you think? Uh, well, know. wait a minute. It's. Uh, I don't think they're open today. Oh, past, oh yeah. It's past five. Sorry. Oh, darn. Not really, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Call helpline. Hmm. I'll tell you what. Let me do some research on it. Okay. See if they're around. I have a feeling. Well, they I mean, are. the number might be attached to a business or a residence or something like that. So we don't want to wake days. anybody up. But no, that was. Uh, yeah, that, that okay. Would be fun. I will say uh, you don't you don't sound as bad as you think you do, and you mixed fine. I mean, you went from record to record good, and yeah. you were already playing good music back in '78. You weren't playing just whatever. I mean, you were you were actually pulling out stuff that was good. It wasn't like yeah. you were playing, you know, Springsteen. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, I wasn't playing Springsteen. No, you weren't. So I'm not proud of you for show. that one. Um, the, the songs I played on that show, not all of them. I started off what you heard. I will still love you by Stonebolt. Then into uh, Showbiz Kids by Steely Dan from their from their second album, uh, Countdown to Ecstasy. Then we played uh, Miss America by Sticks. I was my love choice. that song. Me too. That's why they they said you can play whatever you want on that show. I picked that one up. That's a great song. That's I remember that album vividly, and I remember that song. That song is a yeah. really 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 good track. That's my favorite song off Grand Illusion. I agree. Yeah. Mine, it's mine too. Yeah, thank you. Well, Good choice. We, eh, I don't know. I don't want to reach over there. That's all right. Yeah, we'll play it the next time you're in town. How about that? All right. Okay. Um, Give me a reason to come back up. Yeah, you have to, just for that one just song. Just for that one song. That's a, <laughs> and then that's you can a, And then I can fly back. Okay, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hell of a price to pay for a round-trip ticket and going through the airports and stuff just to hear the great... I can buy it at home. All <laughs> yeah, right? It's cheaper that able- way. You won't be able to podcast it on this show. Oh, that's you know, right. Yeah, we yeah. won't. We will not be able to podcast it on songs from the basement. Yeah, but the the good thing about playing it down in Florida is that you will be playing it in Florida airspace, though. Oh yeah. But right now we we're playing it in Minnesota airspace. But this show does uh, anyone in Florida can listen to the show. Well, either I mean it's legal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. No, Grand, Grand Illusion. Good, good album. That's a good track yeah. too. But Miss America, great, great, great song. song. Yeah, my favorite off there. Although I do like the forty-five version of "Come Sail Away." I'm not really a fan of the um, the album version. Too long for me. How about the Eric Cartman version? Um, I never From South that Park. One. 
it's it's, it's the whole I bit in South. Yeah, way. it's the whole bit in South Park that if if Cartman hears the beginning of the song, he has to sing the whole song. Oh. And it's part. Well, the thing is, he does it really, really fast, and it takes him like thirty or forty seconds to go through it. Oh. But uh, it's like a running gag in that one particular episode of South Park where someone will just start singing "I'm sailing away," and then Cartman goes, "Damn it!" and then has to go the whole through the rest of the song a whole bit, <laughs> really, really, really fast. It's just it happens a couple times. Like, oh, it's just it's funny. It's 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 funny, but that that's. I mentioned this uh, on previous shows, not with you here, but speaking about Cartman, uh, I have one record. It's uh, Jerry Mathers, and he, they were trying to groom him to be a singer in 1963. Oh, God. And <laughs> oh, God. Well, it's like trying to get Keith Moon to sing. It's just that it's, it's, oh it's not going to, this will not end well. <laughs> True. Yeah, uh, it didn't. No. Um, I don't know where the record is at the moment, so I can't yank it out but i would if i knew where it was because jerry mathers his voice was changing and he sounded like cartman he really did he said what up now what up now and And it's it's funny goodness oh yeah oh your goodness oh well i don't know if it's that good but jerry mathers thought so or the people that were repping him say yeah jerry it's great this this is going to be a big hit you're going to sell a million you're going to sell you're going to sell five records to your close family <laughs> and and Stuart Held from Songs in the Basement 40 years later. Oh my god. Where did you find Where did you find that? eBay. I heard no about kidding. it from uh, No no kidding. I, I did get it on eBay and you know I had to pay 25 bucks for that plus shipping. The reason why I got it is because I wanted it. It was on YouTube. You can hear it there. And um they were uh, I wanted it so I could do uh, play it on the show. I thought, this is a relic. This has got to be played. So I played it about three, four times on previous shows over the last six, seven years. Wow. I haven't played it lately. Maybe there's a reason for it. But uh, but I should play it again. But it's out of warranty? I don't know. I've, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, 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 something, that's something I'd, 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 I'd like to hear at some point. Okay. Um, I'll play it for you. Sometime. Maybe not today during the show, but I'll hear it at some point. You it will. sounds really interesting. I'll play it for you. Um, anyway, the but Jerry Mathers, you know, the song is actually pretty good. It's called Wind Up Toy. But ev- when you listen to it, you're going to think, who does this remind me of? One of the kids from South Park. Really? And not Kenny. Because Kenny would be... But you think it, so- but it sounds like Eric Cartman, kind of? It does. All right. Yeah. Definitely not Kenny. All right. Well, okay. Yeah. Definitely because... Uh, you know. Right. He's not muffled. Not muffled. Yeah, that's true. Okay, now, uh, speaking about muffled, uh, no, that, just yeah, kidding. You. Just kidding. Okay. Now, we're going to go back into uh, Dave's past here when he was famous. No, um, when he was more famous. When? Okay, you're a legend now. Uh, you, can live, you can rest on your Laurel and Hardy's now. I uh, got plenty of Laurels to rest on. That's good. Here's one of them. This is uh, Dave when he was uh, doing sports, actually. And he was very famous in TV in the Twin City area here and in Chicago. And, yes, people in Chicago will remember the legendary uh, Dave Levine. And here is just one of your um, actual uh, tributes that the station did for you. Okay. You must remember these memories. As we do every Sunday. Super bloopers. Only tonight, we celebrate an anniversary. One year ago today, my live shot at the Met Center went down. And sports producer Dave Irv Levine took over. Let's look back. So this is going to be interesting. Start with some Big Ten basketball. The Purdue Boilermakers are still alive in their quest of winning the Big Ten championship. They beat Michigan 79 to 77 in West Lafayette. We've got some highlights, God willing. 
And the best line of the night. Fateful day in Twin Cities television when Irv became a media star for his own entourage and fan yep. club. Come on in here, Irv, oh, baby. Come on. He's got to get his talent fee. Once a year, whether you need so, to or not. There he is. Irv, hold on, hold on. Irv, how has the uh, career progressed since... Uh, <laughs> what's the biggest change in your life? Well, the amount of autographs I've signed and the public appearances I've made all across the area. <laughs> and um, I just want to say thank you for the watch I've done. We'll do this again next year. Uh, just don't stop for you. Absolutely. You know, it's going to be great when we're all here for the 10th anniversary. I think we should throw a big party. That would be you scary. You may just want to throw me out of a building by now. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a chair by now. Maybe. Well, oh, wow. That's cool. Um... That's I, so. I I gotta tell Randy about that because he promised me a ten year anniversary of that and that never happened. Oh, okay, let's go read the story. But that's and run. but that's um, a long time ago. Quick story about that: I was a producer at uh, the NBC affiliate here in the Twin Cities, Channel Eleven KARE Television. And the anchor that Sunday named Randy Shaver was supposed to do a live shot at the Met Center which is where the uh, Minnesota North Stars used to play. It's where the Mall of America sits right now in Bloomington. And he was going to be part of a uh, celebrity game when the Harlem Globetrotters were in town. Oh, yeah. And so we had, he had like a four-and-a-half-minute four sportscast segment that I had put together in the studio for him to do about a minute-and-a-half to two minutes' worth of highlights and scores of what was going on that day. Then he was going to... Uh, hang around and interview one of the Harlem Globetrotters or do something with one of the Globetrotters for a couple of minutes for the balance of the time allotted in the sportscast part of the newscast. It was a 5 o'clock newscast on a Sunday afternoon. Now, we had an unwritten rule at the station where if someone was going to be doing a remote sportscast, they had to have an anchor, an on-air person, back at the station to fill in to do the live sportscast in case the signal died. And we were using microwave uh, technology to transmit the signal from point A to point B. And these trucks never went down. They never had a problem. It wasn't a, uh, it's something that happened. We did these all the time. And, and the people that would be stuck at the studio, never going on the air as a backup, would always be upset, pissed off that they had to waste a day sitting around doing nothing. Okay? This was the one day that the truck stopped working and about 10 to 15 minutes before the sportscast was supposed to hit the air and i've already told randy here's you know they were gonna the first story you're gonna do is there's a, a highlights of a college basketball game they're gonna do this they're gonna do that and do it whatever he had all the information so he was going to be able to see the the video on the monitor be able to talk about the highlights that he was seeing that everyone else would be seeing at the same time and then he would finish off his his part of the show and then do his a uh, bit with the Globetrotters. Well, the signal goes down. I get a panicked phone call from the newscast producer. Irv, the signal went down from the Met Center. Where's your backup? I said, we don't have a backup. What are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know. So I threw the scripts together, and I told the newscast producer during the first commercial break, I ran in the studio or in the control room and told her, I don't have a backup anchor. Randy's at this, you know, 
you gotta get the signal back up. Well, the truck is down. Or, or, like the battery died, and the and the, the vehicle itself went down. So it wasn't like they resurrected or turned it on. It was like there was a generator problem or whatever. And so I I said, well, I'll just hand it to one of the news anchors to do. The news anchors at the time were Joan Stefan and Kevin McDowell. So I've got all the scripts to to present to them. So we're getting to the, the break before the sports cast. There's about two minutes in that time, and I'm giving them the I'm giving Kevin the the scripts. So it's got the lead-ins, it's got the highlights, and everything that Randy would have done. And I know he can handle it. It's nothing complicated. There aren't going to be strange names he has to pronounce or whatever like that. Everything's pretty straightforward. And they talked me into sitting in the chair and doing it. It's a Sunday afternoon. The audience, there's not a lot of people that watch local news on a Sunday afternoon, but we still have to put up a show anyway. And so they said, come on, Irv, just sit. Irv was my nickname. Irv, come on, just sit down and, and do it. So... I sit. I, I'm unshaved. I haven't shaved in three or four days. My hair is a mess. I'm wearing a polo shirt. I'm not dressed to. I'm not dressed to be on the air. And so they hook me up with a, a microphone. They put an earpiece in my ear so I can hear the producer, the newscast, talking in my ear. Um, and the anchors say, "Come on, or it'll be fun. We'll all do it together." Okay. <laughs> okay. So together. they come out. They come out to a three shot. The three shot is so they got the two news anchors and me on the TV. And Joe and Stefan comes out of the commercial. They fade up from black. Buckle your seat belts is what she says. And she and Kevin explain what, who I am and why I'm there. And, again, the idea was to just do all of it together. Okay. But adrenaline kicked in. So I just started reading. And I'm reading, and I'm going fast. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm keeping up with the highlights, you know, so like that. But everything else, I'm doing very fast. They come back on camera to the next story because that would have been Randy on camera and stuff like that. So they're following the script of the show, and I'm just, I'm. You're on fire. I'm right on now, fire, really? really. I mean, the adrenaline is kicking out. I plow through this thing. So we, I, we, I get through everything in a little less than a lot of time that we had, and we got a couple minutes to fill. But they wound up filling it with something else or whatever. And what happened was we got about a couple dozen phone calls into the newsroom. Now, on during the week, we have a switchboard operator, but there is no switchboard operator during the weekend. So there's a recording that says, uh, if you have a news tip, call this number. So all these people that wanted to say, what was that, who was that, whatever, mostly positive, um, called the newsroom. They also got a call from the news director. Uh-oh. Yeah. Ron Stover? No, he was oh. a photographer. Oh, okay. They got a call from the news him. director, and she was not very happy because... She didn't get her promotion. We did something that we weren't supposed to do. We had a, we had a sportscaster on remote without a backup anchor mm-hmm. that's like that's a no-no that was like no-no number one Uh-oh. and there was no any that was the only no-no that was if you do a well, live shot you got to have a, a studio anchor you have to have a backup okay so they 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 ran a clip of that that, that night during randy's 
10 o'clock newscast. And then the keyboard, or the keyboard, the, uh, the, uh, there's a comment line people could call and leave a message as opposed to calling the newsroom. And there were like, th- and then the next day, there's someone that is a switchboard operator that has to listen to all the messages that were left behind. So there is, and every day they would type up a sheet of all the calls they got from the viewers. If there were repeats, they would, you know, they'd put like a six or a seven or an eight, you know, how many people called and said basically the same thing. Uh, Love that segment on this thing. Uh, Need information about this thing. Can you repeat the number that was mentioned about this story or whatever like that? They had like 40 or 50 phone call, people leaving messages, voicemails about my little on-air stint that happened. Um, mostly positive. Like, that was great. It was hilarious. It was wonderful. We loved it. Bring him back. And um, a couple of them that specifically said, keep him and dump Tom Ryder. <laughs> oh. uh, Tom didn't like that. Uh, he was the he that. was the main anchor at the time, and he wasn't he he didn't like that. Um, Too bad you couldn't work with Tom Ryder. Well, I did. We worked. Oh, yeah, I mean, okay, we're, okay. we worked. At, we're in the same uh, yeah, department. He, was, he was Monday through Friday. But you know, he, you know, we I was produced. I produced for him three days a week, and then Randy on the weekends. But I wouldn't dumb Tom. No, I just no. I, that was you know. But that um, I've got, I have that somewhere in my papers in uh, Florida in my apartment. The copy of the call sheet. Of everything. Yeah, from that. Okay. I had a videotape. I have videotape copies of the, the sportscast I did. But that's where that little clip that Stuart surprised me from was um, that 10 o'clock. Uh, the, 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 year, the, the year later, he broke out that clip because we did, we did bloopers on Sunday nights at 10 o'clock. And uh, he led his bloopers with that, that, uh, that uh, remembrance of my, my anchoring from the year before. I want to ask you something. Okay, that was around 1991, I think, when I taped that originally. Okay. Or 1990. I want to say uh, I want to say that came from 90. I want to say the original thing was from 89. Okay, and I'll tell you why. The Harlem Globetrotters, I went to that game okay. in 1989. That was March of 89, I think. Yeah, it would have been March. Because, wow, that's interesting. Because it was, uh, the big story of the day was uh, college basketball, the Big Ten uh, regular season was winding down. So that was kind of the lead story that we had at the time. There was nothing else. There were, there were no local teams playing that day. Uh, I think the Timberwolves had a game later that night, but there was nothing going on local. So we led with the biggest story at the time. I'll, I'll tell you why I know I was at that Harlem Globetrotters game, because I bought a program from it. Oh, wow. So, um, and I don't know why I was doing Oh, Oh, I know why. Why I even went. Um, I was actually coaching back then. I did some youth coaching stuff for hockey, basketball, and um, soccer. That night, some of the basketball kids I had for that season, uh, I took to the Harlem Globetrotters game. And I can mention their names, but I can't think of them at the time. This is over 30 years ago now. But I took all four or five of them to the Harlem Globetrotters, and we had all had a good time. I bought a program and got them home safely and all that uh, after they beat the living garbage out of me. No, just kidding. Um, no, it was a lot of fun. But if that's the game I'm thinking of, that was interesting. It's got to be. You, you uh, made your debut, and I happened to be at that game, and obviously the Globetrotters won. So i got to thank you for pulling the plug on Randy's truck. Because yeah. if you hadn't pulled the plug, I wouldn't have been on the air. That's thank, right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's okay. I mean, me and the kids actually saw the thing, and we were like, hey, let's do hey, a let's, practical joke. Let's do a practical joke and, pull, and, and make sure they don't get on the air. And you know why I did it? 
Uh, <laughs> or that he didn't do it. Three, I want it to be said right now, he did not do that. Three weeks ago, three weeks, well, okay, well, three weeks before that, they didn't hire me for anything. Oh, wow. So there, I wanted to play a practical joke. That'd be, that would, that's, it, it didn't Fools. happen. Okay, it didn't happen. I didn't do it. I'm innocent. I was, I, I don't know. Oh, well, I was thank you for bringing that up. That, bring that back. That was fun. That was yeah, good. I liked it. Thank I you. wanted to uh, do a relic uh, for everyone to listen to from that. Wow. So there. Um, I was going to bring up something uh, right after this, but I can't remember. But that's okay. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's why we call him the legend around here. Well, he calls me a legend because I pay him. Right. You heard it. And, and uh, keep paying me. I gotta make a living somehow. Great. Okay, okay fine. fine. All right, be that way. Uh, anyway, what, what are we doing now? Oh yeah, we're hi. To, we're, 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 doing, we're doing a podcast show called "Songs from the Basement." We You're are? about to ask me about the song we're about to co- play next and why. Were we? Yeah, because that's what you told me to say. Okay. Oh, that's right. I skipped a line. Yeah. And a page. Okay. Anyway, um, we'll get back to some more music, I guess. But that was that was kind of a fun I liked it. thing. Yeah, and uh, that's that's why we got you here so you can tell these uh, strange stories. No, I had a Care Eleven, um, um, a story I was going to tell you, and I can't think of it right now. But right. That's okay. We'll wait for the next time. Okay. Next song we're going to play is actually uh, my first impression of this song was uh, Jimmy Durante. No, uh, <laughs> get it? I got a million of them. No, um, the first time I heard this song, we'll go into, and you can uh, say your interpretation. Um, I heard this in the summer of 75 when it uh, first came out. In fact, it was on the radio station KHJ, for all the people that are listening in Los Angeles. Uh, 93 KHJ, and the new one by so-and-so. And I thought, wow, this is a different song. For some reason, it just sounded different than all the other things that were out at the time. And I was thinking... When I get back to, uh, I was on vacation, actually, with my older sister. She drove out from Minneapolis to L.A., and I went with her. I graduated sixth grade that year, and she said I could come with her. She was moving to L.A., and she would, uh, you know, be working out there and living the rest of her life out there. Yeah, 11 years later, she comes back to the Twin City area. Anyway, but when she was uh, going to move out there, we were were on the road somewhere, probably Wilshire Boulevard or something like that. And we're listening to the radio in, in her little Pinto car, or Maverick car at the time. And I hear this new song, and a lot of new songs were coming out in August. It was 75 for the new new uh, fall time, school year, whatever. I'm Sorry by John Denver was another one I heard for the first time. Uh, Dwight Twilly Band, I'm on Fire, they were playing. They never played it up here until Classic Rock Radio played it. And, you know, three or four other songs I never heard up here. Another Night by the Hollies was another one they played a lot out there. And anyway, this one that we're going to, we'll introduce what it is. And I thought, this song will never make it as a <laughs> No way. Uh-uh. I, I'll hear it in L.A. I'll go back to Minnesota. And never heard from it and again. And never will hear it again. It, why? Anyway, I wanted to be a, a Los Angeles or uh, go to school in Los Angeles. I did not want to come back to Minnesota. Okay, I didn't want to. In fact, I was going to uh, Westwood at this point. I was going into seventh grade when this came out. But uh, I had to come back. My mom said, no, Stuart, you got to come back two more weeks. You're starting school. I said, but I want to go to school in Los Angeles. I don't want to go back to Minnesota. Yuck. Oh, you were right. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but, hey, anyway, I had to come back here, 
and start seventh grade and like oh and I heard the wild rumors about Westwood our junior high that we both went to that you know uh, seventh graders were the first uh, you know the youngest kids and a bunch of ninth graders were going to be waiting for you the first day of school before you get to like your locker in your homeroom five of them are going to be there they'll notice you you're small they're going to beat the living garbage out of you yeah, they were right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> They're right. Yeah, I had to replace my head five times during that year. No, just kidding. Uh, but there were some rough kids. But they were eighth graders instead of ninth. Stories I could tell you there. Um, anyway, but uh, no, we, we made it through uh, jail high, uh, junior high and high school. But uh, anyway, Dave, what's your interpretation of this next song? You well, can say the name of this song. Well, it's uh, Get Down the Night by KC and the Sunshine Band. And it's not yes. because I live in Florida now. It's because it's one of the first songs I remember buying with my own money. We had talked about the Jackson 5. We talked about cents, too. Uh, we talked about Tony Orlando and Dawn. We talked about the Eagles. But I remember vividly buying this particular 45. On TK Records. Yes, it was. It was. And yeah. still is. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my friends who was in my grade, actually, at that time, and we were in seventh grade. It was in the middle of the year. And I don't know how it came up. Music came up or something. And one of my friends I still see from time to time uh, said, um, yeah, I really like KC and the Sunshine Band. And I said, oh, yeah, da-da-da-da-da, and, and other people are coming out with songs. And he goes, I don't like Paul McCartney and Wings. I just don't like them. And I said, you're kidding. You don't like the Beatles or anything? He goes, that's too old for me. I like KC and the Sunshine Band. I'm like, okay. I wasn't going to go, are you nuts? But <laughs> Well, I, you should have. I should have. I wanted to, but, you know, he was into Jigsaw, Sky High. He was into uh, a lot of the other groups at the time that didn't make it after 1976. Can't think of them, but, um, you know, 75, 76 had a lot of TV themes, actually, with hits. SWAT, Rockford Files, okay. Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, people like that. Sure. It was a poppy year. But then again, we had the legendary Bohemian Rhapsody, but Queen being a hit during that period, too. Rock and Roll All Night, the first hit for Kiss. Okay. Uh, Aerosmith finally made it with Dream On, even though I was three three years old at the time. Right. But, hey, that, Peter Frampton, he came alive then because he wasn't before that. That's so. true. He, he was dead and then he came alive. Yeah. And every kid at the end of that school year had to have that live album by Frampton. Yep. It was, uh, you couldn't have, you couldn't, they wouldn't let you go to the next grade the following <laughs> fall true. unless you showed you had a copy of that record with you. That is true. It is. I mean, every kid had in at least a 1976 seventh and eight my eighth grade year because that's when the record really was taken off in sales and when frampton came to town i think it was the fall of 76 um all the kids most of them in our school were not in school all the troublemakers burnouts and all that they were at the concert and the same thing for leonard skinner and queen the sweet they were still big back then Everyone was going to those concerts. I never went to a concert until I was I was an adult. Um, I ended up actually, you mentioned Frampton, one of the few concerts. I've only been to maybe a dozen concerts in my life, but one of the few I went to was a Frampton concert in Chicago oh. with Alana Miles as the opening act. And this was around the time that Frampton Comes Alive 2 was coming out, so it would have been 94 or 95. Oh, okay. Now, here's a little story I want to tell everybody. I actually met Peter Frampton in 2000, and he was a nice guy, actually. 
And I brought a record with him, one of the early studio records that he had, and he was very surprised to see that. And I said, I don't know what you did on this record, but um, not only do I want you to sign this, but this is my favorite one you've done out of all your Humble Pie stuff, your Herd stuff, your solo. I don't know what you did. He goes, wow, thank you, because I don't have anyone that actually talks about this one. I said, I will. <laughs> so, And I told him, yes, I like the live one and all that, and I told him about our junior high that all the kids in my school went to see your concert and they also had to have your live record and trust me i tried to sell your backlog your back catalog at the time like something's happening camel wind up change but no they wanted your live record so he said well you can keep trying i said Definitely. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, he'll take the royalties yeah i mean you want the royalties and you want record sales why not? Yep. but uh, yeah frampton was big thank you for joining us Dave Levine and myself, Stuart Hill, on this very special version of Songs from the Basement. Yes, it's been really fun. Join us for the second part when Dave comes and joins us again as we discover and talk about life and things and music and everything we could think of on the second part as we did on this part on Songs from the Basement. Till then, have fun, be careful, you know what to do, stay safe everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.